Today I'd like to try to talk about Jesus teach me. That is our theme and I wanted to try to deal with the particular subject from Jesus teaching of Jesus teach me to trust you. Teach us Jesus to trust you. I pray that your heart and mind would ask the Holy Spirit to help us because he is our teacher. Randy Waters is not your teacher. Jesus is the Holy Spirit of God. And I pray that God would help you. I want to tell you, though, this is a vital subject message. And, and I see that more as I try to study it. And, and I wish I could just have God just get it in your heart. Because I want you to feel good about God and about life and about something you can hang on to. Trusting God is the spiritual psyche that goes with you personally. It lays down with you at night when you go to sleep before you do. It gets up with you in the morning. It goes with you through your work. It takes care of your family and loved ones when you're not with them. I'm going to tell you, trust is so important. And it pleases God most importantly. I'm going to use some verses from John 15 and ask Jesus to teach us to trust him. John 15. Would you turn there with me, please? I'm going to read about nine verses. I think I cited six, and I'll concentrate more on those, but I think you've got to get it all in to deal with a particular part of it. All these words are in red in my Bible. That means, of course, that they're from Jesus. And so he is our teacher, and he's the master teacher. And so what a great a gift, a teacher. Many of you are great teachers. And you know there's been teachers in your life that God has blessed you to be under and how they have influenced you. And what a blessing that is. But there's no greater than Jesus. And I pray that we'll sit at his feet this morning and love him more. Verse 1 of John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I spoke unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man Abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might, be, might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So what we have to do first of all is understand the message here is about fruit bearing. Who Jesus is talking to is his disciples. Judas is not there. He's already gone. 
In our day, what we're looking at is what Jesus is saying to us. When you look at God's word, what you have to be careful of, who is God talking to? See, God is talking to his people. People that have been bought by his precious blood that will finally and forever be with him in heaven. And so I want us to see that what the the theme or the context here of abiding in Jesus is about is about fellowship. It is about fellowship, it is about communion with God. So when we look in our lives, and we ought to, we need to see the vital connection between our abiding in Christ, that is, Him being our home, Him being our stay, Him being the one we depend on, trust, then that is what manifests the fruit, so to speak. Now, what is fruit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? I want you to turn with me to the Galatians chapter 5, and I'm coming right back, so just hold your phone there and replace with me just for a second. Here's the fruits of the Spirit. I want, us to, I want to read them with you, and I want you to let God search your heart and say, where is that in my life? Am I manifesting that in my life every day? I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about fruit bearing. Because this, these fruits are only possible as you're connected to the sustenance of the fruit, Jesus, who is the true vine. We just read that. So we see them. There's nine of them. And it says in verse 22 of Galatians 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. All right, those nine fruits of the Spirit is what we need to really assess in our lives as we think about abiding in Christ. Now you might say, well, well, preacher, where in the world does trust come in here? John 15 implies without any doubt the vital necessity of trusting in Jesus because we have to see his love as continually being with us in our life. Not just because circumstances are uncomfortable or we've failed and we've sinned, then we need to say, well, God doesn't love me anymore. No, notice what he says. If you... As the Father hath loved me, so I loved you. Continue in my love. So Jesus is saying to trust him is to always know that Jesus loves you. Okay? Don't ever doubt that Jesus does not love you. Secondly, we see Jesus teaching to trust him, not only to trust his love, we trust his word. That God's word is true. This Bible is vital, true, and we need to see that is true. He says, if you keep my commandments, in verse 10, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So we see that fruit comes from abiding in Jesus. So then the deal ought to be, how do we abide in Jesus? We abide in Jesus by believing, by trusting that he loves us. By trusting his word, okay? 
That is what it's about. We have been saved to bear fruit. We have been saved to manifest those nine fruits of the Spirit that I have just read. And if we're not doing that, then we are out of fellowship with Jesus. We're out of communion with God, okay? And so we need to see that and bless that and ask God to help us. I want to say four things from John 15 when I say, teach me, Jesus, to trust you. And I'm talking about trusting in Jesus. We cannot trust in people, places, and things. We can only trust to bear fruit in Jesus. And God is very clear on that. Because he says, without me, ye can do nothing. The problem is we get confused. And we have so much competition from the world, we try to find our sustenance from some wild vine of pleasure, of some stamp of approval of society, and we miss the vitalness of being connected with Jesus, being vitally in Christ. Now, when you think about this, I'm talking about fellowship. Notice when we think about this, Jesus is the true vine. He says, abide in me, in verse 4, and I in you. Now, to abide in Jesus is to believe him and to trust him. But for Christ to be in us is a sheer matter of grace. It is a new creation. That is your new birth. To abide in him is a responsibility that God enables us to do by his grace. So I want to try to say four things. One is that trusting Jesus is costly. It's going to be costly. Secondly, trusting Jesus has to be continuous. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a just, I'm going to repent and that's it. It is a continuous life support sustenance of soaking in the sap of God's amazing grace all day long, every day, every moment of every day. And then thirdly, I want us to see that trusting Jesus is causative, that it has effects, it has fruit. I think about those little kids that were sitting up here this morning. If you could have saw their faces, and I know you don't get that view, but you know what I'm thinking, because I knew what I want to try to say. Trusting God affects other people. What you trust in will affect these little precious ones that were here. What you trust in makes a difference. Why, you can go out in the streets right now and start looking up, and people will start looking up too. We need to be trusting in God. We need to understand that God is the cause, the foundation of everything. And we need to act like that and live like that. We don't need to run and hide. People in today's world are so afraid. We're just living in a society. We have so much, and yet we have nothing if we don't have trust in God. I remember, don't you, those of you that are old enough, on 9-11, I remember what I was doing when that happened, don't you? I remember, too, that uh, churches were full for two or three Sundays after that. 
Why is that? Because we found that what we trusted in has, has weakness. What we trusted in is not there. Um, when you think about what the Psalm 11 says, when the foundations are destroyed, what shall the righteous do? What shall they do? Trust in God. And so we see the, the adherence to God's word when we have lost so much and our hearts are broken. But that is where we get to where God has called us to be, to trust him. And then fourthly, I want to see that trust is certain. So what we do is trust Jesus who keeps us trusting. What a blessing and what a joy of grace that really is. Okay, first of all, I want us to see that trust is costly. When you trust God, it will cost you something. It is not a do nothing, well, I'm just going to live by trust. I'm going to just do anything. I'm just going to trust God. I'm going to tell you, it won't get far like that. You got to trust God. You got to go in your obedience, is what it's about. Trusting God is being obedient to God. And you know why we sin when we're not obedient to God? Because we don't trust Him. We don't really trust God. And we just wonder, did you realize that unbelief is a sin? <laughs> did you realize that? I mean, just flat unbelief. I don't really trust you, God. And I know on the outside we say, oh yeah, I believe in God. But when the goings get tough, the tough have to get going. And so what trials do will show you and me what we're made of, okay? Do we trust God or not? Same thing with a marriage. You take a marriage, you know, you say the vows and everybody's in love. But when the trials come, when the pain comes, when the hurt and the loss comes, that is when that marriage is really proven and that couple is severed and melted together in the amazing love of trust. And that's what God has done for you on the cross. Jesus has died for you on the cross. Don't you ever doubt his love. No matter where you're going, what you've done, you know what? You don't have to be vaccinated for Jesus to love you. You come to Jesus just like you are. And if you are, don't you trust in the vaccination more than you trust in Jesus. You trust, you do the things that God has given us counsel to do. But you do it. Trusting in God. See, his, he's the foundation, but it's costly. In Leviticus, here's one example uh, of trust being costly. I think it's, we see that in verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Leviticus 25. That is where God set before the Israelites the sabbatical year. What does that mean? God says do this. He says plant your crops, harvest your crops for six years. On the seventh year, do nothing. Don't plant, don't sow. That's what God said. And then the people said, well, how are we going to eat? Well, God is saying you trust me. And then it says in the later, later part of Leviticus 25, God says, because I'm going to bless you with the crops in the sixth year so much that you're going to have enough to carry you right through to that eighth year when that crop is taken in. Now, are you going to believe God for that or are you going to trust me? 
See, God is about trusting him. And you can really know that faith is nothing more than, than trusting God now for what only makes sense in the future. Do you hear me? That's what trusting God is. It's not making sense. The New Testament version of Leviticus 25 in the sabbatical year is nothing more than Matthew 6, 33. I'm telling you the gospel is so pure and simple that we miss it. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things shall be added to you. What are these things? Fruit. Any good thing that you need in your life. Well, what do we do? We want to trust what everybody else says. We want to trust in the government, trust in the leaders, trust in ourselves. But you know what? Trust is costly. And one of the greatest things you're going to have to give up, and I'm going to have to give it up, give up, is our cherished independence. We cannot be independent and trust God. You can't do both. And so why? I know how weak I am. You probably do too. What we need to understand is that we trust him, oh God. Trust him. And it's going to be costly. And it's going to be a situation where there's going to be pain at times. But it's worth it. You know, obedience. Ephesians, or rather Hebrews 5, 8, says that Jesus, perfect and sinless, though he was, that he learned obedience through suffering. Jesus did. Why should we squirm about it? <laughs> we shouldn't. We need to trust God. And understand it's worth it. It's worth it to be costly. John 2, 5. That's the part in John's gospel where Jesus does his first recorded miracle. He turns the water into wine. And it's all about trust. What has God called you to do that you don't feel like doing? You trust him one day at a time. You trust him every day, all day long. And you know, Jesus, when he had that miracle needful, he, he tells his disciples, or he tells his mother, tells his disciples, fill the water pots. What does that make? Trust him. That's what Jesus is saying. How far to fill them? Fill them to the brim. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Trusting God. Are you trusting God? It's not about feeling like trusting God. It's about just putting down and pressing toward the mark of Christ. Trust, confidence in him, obedience. So we see that trust is costly. You know, salvation is not free. It's not. It costs the highest price that's ever been paid. It costs the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to be very Vigilant, vigilant rather, and understanding that we're to be, take this faith that was entrusted to us, that God has given us, and we need to pass that on. We need to prove that by understanding that, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to live like I love you, and when I fail, God, I'm going to go back to you again. Which brings me to my second point. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. See, abiding is continuous. 
So Jesus is teaching us, if you're going to trust me, you're going to have to stay with me, stay in me, stay in fellowship. Now this is not talking about borning yourself again. You can't do that. That's God. That's grace, okay? It's not about trying to rework yourself because we, according to the Word of God, have become a new creation. But we ought to know that it has to be continuous. We have to just keep coming back to Jesus again and again. Oh God, I need you. When we sin, we confess that sin. Notice that he says in verse 3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. That goes right along with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. You remember when Peter rebuked him or, or rebelled against that? And Jesus reminded that he would have been clean, all of them. He's talking about eternal life. The washing of the Spirit of God that makes our souls soaked with crimson sin, white as snow. But what did he say? You need your feet washed for daily cleansing. So what we need to be mindful of in trusting God is we can't be dealing in sin. If we're not going to face our sins, we're not, we're not going to be able to abide in Christ because he's holy. But we do have him praying for us, giving us this opportunity to come to him and confess him and understand that by positionally he has proclaimed us just as if we never sinned. I mean, you got to get there first. I'm telling you what, these old fleshly bodies are so weak, we are so sinful by nature. If we don't get to this and trust Jesus, we will never trust ourselves. We'll never really embrace the fullness of the joy of being in Christ and abiding in Him. It just won't be worth it. I mean, it's just like taking a test at school. You know, we just, you keep failing it all the time. You get where you don't want to go to class. You understand here that Jesus has cleansed you. And now he's saying, you come to me and claim that and bless that and abide in me because you're mine. And he's bought us by his blood. All right, I'm going to look at my watch. Not that not it's going to matter how long I preach, but I want to show this illustration. I look at my watch, I don't know what time it's something after 11, I guess. But I just, I have to watch it again. See, I can't look at it for the future. Can you? I mean, I don't know what time it's going to be in the future. That is the same way of continually looking for Jesus. Trusting him. It is like looking at your watch. I mean, you can't, you got to do it moment by moment. You can't say, well, I've looked at Jesus already. No, I won't know what time it is later on today if I don't look back at my watch. You won't either. And you won't know what Jesus has called you to do. You won't know his presence if you're not, so trust has to be continuous. Jesus says in John 8, 31, we hit visited there a little while ago. He says, if you are my disciples, you abide in my word. What does that mean? Continue. Continue in my word. And he says, if you do, in verse 32 of John 8, he says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You know why the truth makes you free? Because it's trusting God. You don't have to be uh, trying to follow what the world wants to do. You trust Him. You believe Him. You acknowledge Him. And you say, God, there's a peace and there's a freedom in that. I'm going to just trust you. I'm going to believe you. There's so much freedom in that. 
And then, you know, we see from verse 5, he says there, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Notice Jesus did not say, without me and you, he could do nothing. What is such an amazing is that he doesn't need us for anything. He absolutely does not. But we need him for everything. That's what we need. We have vitally needed Jesus and we needed, the only way we can embrace it is to trust him. We can't trust in ourselves and Jesus too. Now are you ready to do that or you just want to hang around with something else that you think is going to make you feel good? I'm going to tell you, friends, it's not going to work like that. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be heartbroken. And you're going to be in danger of being set aside because God says, if you're not bearing fruit, then I'm going to take you away. Now, he's not talking about your salvation because Jesus said that he has, you in, you're in the palm of his hand and nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing is greater than Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, we can be castaways. The Apostle Paul was afraid of that. And so am I. And I'm not so sure the United States of America is nothing more than being cast away by God. Why? Because we've gotten away from God. We've gotten away from vitally acknowledging our need of Him. Everything in this world is based on materialism and logic, science. You know, that's the cause of everything. That's not the cause of everything. You think that science is the cause of this pandemic? It's God, okay? It's God. And what God is saying, now you're going to trust me. Now you can, you know what, we can discipline ourselves or we can, we can uh, have God do it. But see, what trusting God is about is when we get to some pain in our life because God says he chastens them that he loves. He does. He takes some things away. I was riding my, one of my grandsons, two-year-old Jackson, on my lawnmower Friday. And uh, when we cut this time of year, the pears have trees on them, or trees have pears on them. And so Jackson had to have a pear. I mean, that's how we are. I got to see something, I got to have that. So I gave him a pear. You know, you can drive a lawnmower and eat a pear at the same time. The only deal was that pear wasn't ripe. I knew it wasn't ripe. So I got to another tree that I had another different species and and they were ripe and so I had to take the pear away from Jackson. And you're talking about a two-year-old getting fighting, man, that little boy did it. He looks up at me like, Granddaddy, you're not going to do that to me. But I gave him the pear that was ripe. Man, he looked up and smiled. I mean, that's God's way. See, God always will give us what's best for us. I mean, he does say it. You ask of me what you will. What you're going to be when you're abiding in Christ and trusting him, you're not going to ask for pie in the sky. You're not going to ask for that rage. You're not going to ask for that. You're going to ask to be humble. You're going to ask to be like Jesus. And that's what God is going to give you. But just don't go around trusting everything that you think's right. You make sure it's viewed from God's word. You look at it through the prism of his word. And God will bless you. I'm going to tell you, friends, you trust him. Because it's causative. It is. 
There's a scripture in the Old, Old Testament, Psalms 112. You don't have to turn there. Listen, just one verse. It says it all. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Isn't that precious? How fixed is our heart on God? God says if our heart is fixed, we're not going to be afraid. We're going to trust in God. Why? Because God is able to do all things, and we need to bless Him in it and thank Him for it. Now, one more point I want to make from verse 6 where we find, If a man bide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Keep in mind, this language, this message is to God's people. God, you got that? It's to God's people. Judas, again, is not here. He's not. So what God is saying to his disciples and to us, if you don't abide in me, you're not going to be able to bear fruit. Why is that? It doesn't matter how good you are or what kind of church you came from. We have nothing of ourselves that merits any goodness. Nothing. What it means is, if you abide with me, how do we do that? We already found that out. Knowing and trusting that Jesus loves us all the time. Even when we sin, even when we mess up, does it mean we just keep on doing it because he will chasten you. He will bring you to that. You will know what God is doing in your life. He loves you that much. And then secondly, we abide in him by believing and trusting his word. We trust God more than anything else. And so when we do that, we bear fruit. And if we're not doing that, we're not. But God says if you're not doing that, see, we have a fruit-bearing God. God looks over his vineyard. And I guarantee you what he's saying is if there's not any fruit, what good is that? So he purges us. But notice what he does here. He says if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. Now, these are branches that ran the vine. They had once bore fruit. You got that? It's not just a wild weed somewhere. These are God's people. And it's withered, and men gather them and cast them. Now, notice the change in the, in the numbers here from he to them, uh, gather them and cast them. He's talking about dead works, Okay. It's the same thing that 1 Corinthians 3 is talking about, that, that we're tried by fire every man's work. And so some by the gold that's going to come through, you know, and, and all the wood and stubble is going to be burned up, yet the man will be saved. That's what God will do. Our dead works. And you know what? The only living works we have. You know, I pray this in my little life as a preacher. I don't know if anybody will remember any sermon I've ever preached. Probably be best if you don't. But I'm going to tell you this. I pray that this, particularly my family will know that this sinful guy trusted Jesus. I mean trusting. I mean you put that in your palate and you deal with it. You live that way. You trust Jesus and you bless him. You know, uh, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, we can deny him, but he cannot deny himself. Peter denied him, and Jesus said, I pray for you, Peter, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. 
He's still praying for us. He is. And what a blessing to see that, to rejoice in that, to thank him for it. So when you think about trusting God, I pray that Jesus is teaching us to trust him more. And don't think that you've got to have a lot of faith. You just come to Jesus with what faith you have. Because he says if it's just like a mustard seed, that's plenty. See, it's God doing the work. He's the one that gives the increase. You're not doing that. You'll never get good enough. What we need to do is just bring it all to Jesus and trust him and realize truly, truly, without him, we can, in fact, do nothing, absolutely nothing of any good. Yeah, we can sin. We're good at that. But we can't do anything of fruit merit of the goodness of God displayed in our life. And that is where we need to be faithful witnesses right now in our world. As dark as things might be, I think we have the most splendid opportunity to be wonderful witness to trusting God and what that means. Man, we have no reason to be in doom and gloom. We ought to be so excited about what God's doing because it's right on schedule. I mean, this pandemic, as much as it's lost, you know? You know, the thing is, I want us to understand, we don't have to live. We don't. We have to trust Jesus. You don't have to live. And I can die. Going to do it if Jesus doesn't come first. I am. You are too. But I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be COVID that does it. I might get it today and tomorrow and get on a ventilator and die. But it won't be COVID. It'll be God's appointed time for Randy Waters to go to heaven. Okay? Now, he can use all kind of means. But I'm going to tell you, trusting God is understanding what God brings to us, he will bring us through it. He will. And we need to note that and bless that. And we need to preach that to ourselves. And we need to live like it. You know, God says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. You know what that could mean, ought to mean? He gives us doctrine so we can know what's right. That's what this book is about. He gives us reproof so that we can get right. Don't tell me you got everything right. I know I haven't. God has to correct me this very week. You confess to God and he deals with it. He knows what to do. You trust him. For correction, we stay right. It's how to stay right. Instruction, we can model what's right in our life. And trusting Jesus is doing right. It's the right direction when we're looking up to our God who is worthy of all of our trust. May the Lord bless you and say, Jesus, teach me to trust you.